Well, it is a beautiful day to be with you. Many friends and family I see out there in the audience this morning and just so good to be here, isn't it? Are you ready to connect with God? Amen. Me too. Well, here we are in our journey deeper into the core values of what God has placed on the heart of Desert Stream and all 12 months we've been going through our values. And this month we've been on the touchy-feely one called intimacy. It's sometimes hard to wrap our brains around our emotions around and especially for men I don't know is that a hard word for you men sometimes to work through is intimacy there's okay we got one well today I hope to illustrate by example and story to break down the simplicity of intimacy and how to enter into it and today I want to talk to you about the table of intimacy what is this table how do we get a seat at this table How do you keep your seat at this table? See, God has set a table for each one of you to join. Each one of you in this room or those who can hear my voice or who watch online, there is a table set by God. And there is a chair at that table. And there's a little nameplate with your name engraved right on the table. And each one of you has an invitation. There's not the little kid's table and the adult table. There's not the teenager table and the baby table. There's one table. It's the father's table. And it's so big that everyone's invited and there's a name engraved at your seat. And God is saying, come. Come home to dinner. Come home and dine with me today. You are invited. Can everyone say, I'm invited? invited. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23. If you brought your Bible, you can open it to that. Or if you have it on your phone, Psalm 23, I'll be reading to you in the New King James Version. That's my favorite version. And I want you to capture a picture of what this table might look like as we read through Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. In other words, he restores my entire life. In this season, God is in the business of restoring your life. Whatever you lost in the past season, God, the father at this table is going to restore unto you. That has been prophesied from this pulpit by many people that it's a restoration time. Has God already done it for you or have you written it down in your journal? Say, I'm I'm waiting. You get to that table and you wait and the restoration comes. I had a story today of this past week. Uh, One of my family members, someone stole their briefcase right out at the back of their vehicle, lost everything. Keys, wallets, checkbook, computers, gone. How many know that would be a frustrating day? So I was talking to the family member, and then God just put this number in my head. I was $1,000, $1,000, $1,000, and I I couldn't get out of my head. I said, that's weird. I've never had that happen before. So I called the family member back, and I said, I don't know what's going on, but there's $1,000 on its way to you. And the good news was, God didn't ask me to write the check. 
Because how many know that would have been a greater faith? I would have had a check in with the wife on that one. But God didn't say for me to write the check. It's 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. So I called him and I said, $1,000 is on the way. I can't explain it. I don't know when. It's not going to be 10 years from now, though. It's coming. Hallelujah. And I'd never told anyone anything like that before. But within two hours, I get a text. He said, the $1,000 here. Hallelujah. And I said, whoa. He said, yes. My wife's company, they just sent out their bonus to, to honor them for working through COVID. And they gave every member of that company a $1,000 bonus. And it wasn't about the money. It wasn't for them. It was just a sign that God knows what they're going through. You know, God knows what you're going through. And at his table, there is no lack. There is no want. He is restoring what you lost. He is God, the restorer. That's what it says in verse three. He restores my soul. And we're not just talking about passions and the soul. You know, we think of like soul music or souls in the Hebrew. That means your entire life. So how many of you are ready for your entire life to be restored? You know, sometimes we think it's just this piece or that piece or over here one day. No, God says, I want all of it and I will restore all of it. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. See, that's the presence of God. When you sit at the table of the Lord, his presence is there. And I shall fear no evil. How many know that fear and anxiety has come against our culture in a great way through the COVID-19 pandemic? But when you sit at the table with the father, his presence comes and that pushes fear out. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And my question is, who's preparing the table for us? It says here, you prepare a table before me. I think a lot of times we're so busy trying to prepare our own tables. God said, no, 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 that's my job. I'll prepare your table. We're working, we're hard, we're, come on God, we're going to get this ready. God said, no, 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 I've already prepared the table. Would you come and sit down? You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. So here's the question. Is there enough at God's table? It said, my cup runs over. Is there enough or is there more than enough at God's table? Sometimes our actions don't align with our beliefs, do they? Or we say the right thing. Like we, we says, the Bible says more than enough. But during the week, we're like, nah, it looks like maybe not enough this week. It's kind of like, you know, going on a date. It's a hot date on Sunday with God. Monday comes. You're dating other things. Sunday's coming back. You're getting ready for God. God, I'm coming to church. I'm ready. And it's good to go to church. I love going to church. I've loved going to church. I used to wake up when I was a little boy. I got my little three-piece suit on, knocking on my parents' door. Are we going to church? And mom and dad said, yeah, I guess we're going because you're dressed. It was in my heart. I love church. 
But it's kind of like, are we just dating God on the side? Sundays are coming, date night. The rest of the week, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to eat at other tables. We're going to try some other foods. But God said, why are you dating two people? I want all of you. Just come to my table. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now that's a testimony I want for me. And I will dwell. I call it belonging. Belong in the house of the Lord forever. Doesn't it feel good to belong somewhere? Like your home? You know that that's what God wants to create for you with his church? A spiritual family for, to belong in? And how many know families are messy? How many know fa- there's no perfect family? In heaven, we won't have to worry about all that stuff. But down here, we have problems. We have mistakes. We have sin. We, 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 we have problems to correct. So I'm not talking about perfection of good behavior. But I'm talking about a place where you belong. And even if you blow it, you're loved here. That's the dream of God's heart. Sharing your table with someone is a sign of friendship, honor, respect, compassion, love, and gratitude. All this can be experienced through the connection of a table. See, intimacy with God and living from his table go hand in hand. I want to share a story when Katrina and I and our first two kids were in Africa. Lucy was on the way. Uh, I met some Baptist pastors down the street. And I would go down about one o'clock. They'd say, come on down. And I'd walk the two blocks and I'd meet them. And I didn't realize that in that part of Uganda, they ate lunch at one o'clock. Well, as a Westerner, I always ate around noon. So I would forget. I'd eat a full lunch with my wife and family, walk a couple blocks, and they're just getting the food out when I get there. And they said, oh, pastor, you've got to eat with us. I said, oh, I said, I just ate. And they said, you've got to eat. I said, okay. And, you know, most of the time I can find room. And I made room on those days. And I probably had three or four meetings and I just wasn't always clicking because I didn't want to not eat with my family because that was a special time for us. And then it was a special time for them. See, there wasn't a lot of cash flow in those, in that culture. So the pastors got paid by having lunch provided for them. That was part of their paycheck was lunch. And there's this beautiful lady who made this wonderful fresh food every weekday for the pastors. There was rice and sometimes fresh fish or fresh chicken and, and it would just put seasoned perfectly and she would bring it in. And it was so nice and I would eat with them and we'd laugh and tell stories, you know, week after week. Well, eventually it was our time to go. It was our time to leave and to come home to the United States and then here to Canada. But before I left, I wanted to say goodbye to my friends. So I visited these pastors dear friends. And we ended up partnering in the ministry. It was a beautiful thing. And they said, I came in this little concrete room about this size was the pastor's office. And there was this little chicken, you know, going around just all over my feet. And I said, Oh, there's a chicken in your office. And they said, we know. And you know, it was doing its little, it was a scraggly little thing, not a big Western chicken, these little teeny things, the bones sticking out, you know, and it's just gobbling and shooting around the room. I said, yeah, there's a chicken here. They said, I know, it's your chicken. I said, it's my chicken. They said, yeah. They said, do you know that our cook, uh, she's been waiting for you. I said, she's waiting for me. She goes, yeah, she heard she was leaving. You were leaving and she's brought you a gift. I said, she brought me a gift? Yeah. And all of a sudden the door knocks. 
and the Ugandan uh, cook comes in and she's wearing her formal uh, dress. And it's that beautiful, shiny, metallic colors of like blues and purples and pinks. She has her full head wrap on, her those big poofy shoulders and dresses all the way to the floor. I mean, she just looked amazing. And she came in and she said, Pastor. And she got down on her knees and came to my feet and took the chicken and said, this is for you, Pastor. I give this to you as a gift. And I'm like trying not to cry. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? That was like three weeks of salary for her would be one chicken. And I just stood there in disbelief. I said, why would you do this for me? She said, well, you ate my food. You smiled. You sat with us and we ate together. And you, you asked for seconds. She goes, most white people don't eat my food. But you really liked it. I said, it was delicious. She had that big smile on her face. said, well, that's what you did for me. So we sat at a table together. And, you know, in that culture, she was the servant. But, you know, really, she was teaching me something, wasn't she, about love and honor. And uh, we, we gifted that chicken to one of the, the people who worked at our house. It was just a beautiful story that just touched me. It's, it's still, I can feel that feeling when she came in the office. The father wants us to be filled with his presence at his table so that when we go out from here, you can share that gift of honor and grace when you go out. The world is waiting to have those experiences and you are the ones to deliver it. But you got to come home first and be filled. Once you're filled up and your cup overflows, you go out and you give it away to every person you meet. You can't help but do it. At God's table, we find mercy and not judgment. A lot of people are afraid to come back to church or to get into God because they think, well, you know, I don't, I'm not perfect. I don't have all my stuff together. So when I get there, I'm going to feel judged. I'm not going to feel worthy. But let me tell you, that's not the table of God. I used to work as a pastor with young interns between about 18 and uh, 22 years old. And we gave them a set of rules and covenants and things to agree by. And they signed that. And since I was the director, if they broke those rules, I was the one to meet with them and to work out the consequences. How many of you know any 18 to 25 year olds that might cross a rule once in a while? Did you ever kind of push the boundaries a little bit? When you're young and you're full of passion, you just want to do something for God. Sometimes you just skirt a little outside the lines. Well, it was my job. I was, the buck stopped at my desk. So the assistant director would bring them into my office and they would say, what did you do? And they'd kind of confess, oh, I did this and that. And we would work through forgiveness and teach about forgiveness. And the assistant director, she was an awesome, she's an awesome lady. And she said, how do you forgive them for what the, how do you just so easily forgive them for what they've done? And I said, if you knew what God forgave me of, this stuff they're doing is nothing. She goes, oh, see, once you have it, once you've eaten at the table, you can freely give it to others. If I hadn't, if I felt self-righteous and I had all my stuff together and I did it without God, do you think I could give forgiveness away? No, I'd be stingy with it. But when God has been liberal with his mercy, it's pretty easy to give it away. That's the table of God. I found mercy and forgiveness at God's table. And so I was able to freely give it away. So let me tell you about the tables. I want to break it down. There's three tables. There's 
table three, table two, table one. Three tables, three chairs. Everyone in this room is sitting at one of those tables today. Everyone in the planet, I believe, is sitting at one of these three tables. Table three to my left, table two in the middle, table one over here. Three tables, three chairs. So let me explain the difference between each table and the corresponding levels of intimacy with God in each one. So number three, this table is set for the slave. Table number two is set for the servant. Table number one is set for the son. And when I say son, I mean son or daughter. We've got slaves, we've got servants, and we've got sons. Three tables. So three tables, three chairs. What chair do you sit in? What table will you connect with God? See, table three is lacking God's love so much, you don't really even believe in him. Table two, you believe in God. Jesus is your savior. And you, you like that. You know you're going to heaven someday. And you know what? If you work hard enough, you'll experience special times of love from God when you have really good behavior and you don't blow it. Table number one over here, you'll find yourself overwhelmed with the free gift of God's unconditional love that you couldn't earn, but you could only accept. It's free. You're born again, but you're also resting in his love for eternity. Knowing you couldn't earn it. He can't love you any more than he already loved you the first day that you gave your life to him. Three tables, three chairs. Here in table two, you're hoping for that visitation of God's presence and love. Table number one, it's not a visitation, it's a habitation, meaning it, it stays all the time. And then you slip out of your seat, whoops, and you're back here to the visitation. And this chair over here, there's nothing. You don't even know if God's real or what you're going to do with your life. You're probably going to work it out on your own and fight your fight and just see what happens. Three tables, three chairs. So today, I want to invite you, all of you, all of you who are listening, all of you who are watching, all of you in this room, I want all of you to know that that invitation I gave at the beginning is for this table. The one with the personalized name on it, that's table one. God's calling you, would you come and dine with me here? Not over here, and definitely not over there. This is the prize table. King David wrote in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You know, God wants you to test him out in this and taste and see. Is this thing real? Are we doing religion where we're trying to theologically get to God, which is not a bad thing? Are we talking about a relationship through intimacy where God comes crashing down, as this picture shows, crashing down as a child into your world with love? He's coming to you for a relationship. We're not trying to get to him. He, we're, he's coming to us and he's set a seat for you. It's different, isn't it? 
See, in table number three, this is how the slave defines his life. He defines it by this word, don't. I don't have enough. I don't have friends. I don't get any luck. I don't have breakthroughs. I don't believe in God. Don't, don't, don't. Key word. I don't have things. I don't get, I don't, you know, I wish I could, but this is just my lot in life. Right here, I'm stuck. In, this, in table two, when you sit down in this chair, you're thinking the key word is do, D-O. I do believe in God. I do believe in Jesus. He saved me. And because of that, I'm so excited, I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing things for him. And since life is like a scorecard, if I do enough good things, he's going to like me. And then I'll finally be satisfied. It's called earn, deserve. Table number one, it's not about what you don't have. It's not about what you can do, but it's about whose you are. Whose am I? I am my father's son. Or the ladies in the house say, I am my daughter's. I am my father's daughter. It's about identity at this table. It's about whose you are. And that's, I just want to say something right here. When the father invites you to this table, he's not a force. He's a father. God is not a force. He's a father. I don't know about you, but the gospel that I grew up with, thank God it had Jesus at the center. So I gave my life to Jesus. He forgave my sins. He reserved a place in heaven for me. And then I learned about the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. He came in and filled my life. But I didn't know about this father. I thought there was a force. And he was way up in the heavens and you don't ever mess with the father because he's the perfect one and he's got the rule book. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be in big trouble. But this force up there, he, you don't really talk to him much and you don't definitely mess with him because he's got big sticks and lightning and natural disasters to keep you in line. And he's over there and thank God for Jesus. And so I just got into Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I, did, I wasn't going to go into this father guy because I, how do you get close to a force? You don't. It's, it's not intimate to be with a force. But how many know fathers? Fathers are so intimate, they have the power to kind of almost ruin our lives or to bless them. How many of you had great father experiences? How many had horrible father experiences? It's real, isn't it? For better or for worse. But this father, the heavenly father, he doesn't make mistakes. He never messes you up. And he's inviting you to this table. He's not a force. He's a father. See, at table three, we sit over here as strangers to God. And the reality is we use a church word called unrighteous, meaning we're not good enough. And we probably know that. We, we were maybe good people, bad people, but we are unrighteous. We are not right with God at this table. Pride blocks us from an intimate relationship. At table two, we would use the word self-righteous. In fact, I worked so hard after I got saved that everything is going to be fine. And God likes me because of my work ethic and what I can do for him. And I try not to mess up. Our moral behavior is the most important in our Christian activities. And the more we do, the more God loves us and the more he's proud of us. Does anyone connect to that 
chair. I thrived in it. I didn't even know there was a table one. I thought this was it. I was raised and born under this gospel. So I thought, well, then I'll just work harder than everyone else. I'll, I'll take more classes. I'll go to more prayer meetings. I'll volunteer more. And I did. And, I, and you start getting successful and people look and say, wow, that person's on fire for God. We're going to promote them. We're going to give them rewards. They'll get a better job. So I thought, well, I'll go into the ministry. I'm going to really show God and I'm going to really prove that I am a, a servant in the house and a servant leader. And so I just went after it. And you keep getting promoted. But here's the question. Why did I feel empty at the end of the day? I had lots of friends, but why did I still feel lonely? I was still, I was like, there has to be more than this. Why didn't my bad habits and addictions go away? Why did they, they linger in the dark at table two? I was doing all the right things. I was trying really hard. And then when I blow it, I felt like the scumbag of the earth over here. Like God probably doesn't even want to talk to me. He doesn't like me anymore. Maybe if I feel really bad about it for a week, I'll climb back in to chair two and table two. And then he'll like me again because I've been so penitent. You know, I've, I've, I'm such a horrible person. Paul writes this to the Galatians in chapter three, verse two to four. These, to these Christians, he says, these Christians were stuck in chap, uh, table two. It was a table, table two lifestyle. They started their life with Jesus at table one. Like we all have to start there by salvation. But they slipped to table two. This is what it says. This only I want to learn from you, the Apostle Paul said. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to be made perfect by the flesh? So you begin by the Spirit. I'm saved, yes! And then now I'm going to go work really hard in the flesh. And I'm going to really make it happen. And the Apostle Paul said, you foolish Galatians, what are you thinking? What you've started in the Spirit, you must end in the Spirit. It's, you have to stay at table one. But that offends us because we were like, no, God, we're going to prove ourselves. We're going over here to show our Father how good we really are. He goes, I already love you. You're already good to me. Stay at the table. So I stayed at table two for a long time. I was never satisfied. And I constantly fell into comparison traps. At this table, I'd say, well, if I'm good enough, then I'll get my breakthrough. So I had to look at other people and decide what is good enough. So I'd look at other pastors and other ministries and say, well, theirs is better. Theirs is bigger. They have more of this and they're more polished. And once I get to that level, then the world and the church and God will say, oh, finally, he's arrived. Give that guy an applause. But the problem was I couldn't get there. The harder I tried, the more I failed. I'd go to a conference and I'd leave worse off because these other super pastors and people were so much better than me. I thought, well, I'm never going to get there. And I just leave the conference with my head down. <sighs> you know, someone who acts like that is not in a family, in a healthy family. They're acting like an orphan who, well, woe is me, I guess. Maybe next year. That's how I felt. And in a nutshell, I was exhausted because I was always trying to do something. 
Don't get me wrong. I mean, I was saved. I love Jesus. Jesus loved me. He filled me with his Holy Spirit. I worked in the ministry. I was trying to be faithful. It was the best life I knew how to have. I just didn't know there was more. I didn't know there was another table with a spot reserved for me. And that table had been reserved for me and for you since the beginning of time. Before the foundations of the world, there was a table over there. You know how it started in the garden, don't you? With Adam and Eve. The table was set. The fruit trees were growing. The grass was growing. The animals were there. God walked with them in the cool of the day and would talk with them as a friend and as a father. All provision was there. That's God's original intent for us in intimacy. And there's only one way to this table one, and it's by faith in Jesus Christ. And it requires humility because you have to admit you don't have what it takes. You have to trust Jesus to take you to that next level. That is, I had to find my righteousness, not in my good works, but I had to find my righteousness in my faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness is like how, how good you are, how empowered you are by God. You can do it self-righteous, like on your own good works, or you can trust that Jesus paid it all for you at the cross. You have to pick one or the other. I just kept slipping back and forth between the two. And, you know, obviously I spent a lot of time here. Now, for the last five, seven years, I've been trying to stay over here, you know, the cheeks to the seat and not getting up. But it's so easy to slip back over here, isn't it? You start looking at other people. You start comparing yourself. You start going, well, that must be nice. Look at what they got. Oh, wow. Wow. They got blessed with a, a new house or something. And Wow, I, I, I don't do that. You start falling right into this woe is me stuff. Chair two starts taking over. Start leaning on your own wisdom. God laid out the whole spread of food. His presence and his friendship. God's way is full, but it can quickly find ourselves eating from table two. And I think for us, it's often the pride of I know better. I'm not going to lean on his understanding. I'm going to lean on my own understanding. And so we think we're so smart. And we're so, we are smart. We are strong. God made us that way. So we just go running, not checking in with dad before we leave the house. We get ourselves into all kinds of stuff. Because we've got this. But the table is open. The invite is set. The Bible is full of proud men and women who exchange their good ideas and their good works instead of trusting God and Jesus Christ. And it almost always ended in disaster. At table one, we're realized that we're seated in heavenly places. We're hidden in Christ. We realize by faith that we have more than enough at table one. Because we have more than enough, we become marked by generosity. You ever meet someone who's just so generous because they know what table they sit at? I mean, how many of you like to tip when you do takeout food, when you go pick it up? You know, I don't always tip when I do takeout because I'm thinking, well, I'm driving down. I'm the one getting the food. You know, now if I'm sitting at a table, I love to tip. But, so, you know, I don't always like to tip people when you go and they, they, the cooks do it. Everyone does it and they just set it on there with the bag and you pick it up. I'll be honest, I don't always do that. Sometimes I do. 
Well, I was with a friend last week and he said, well, I, you know, I, I, was, I gave him a good tip. He said, because my wife told me, you know, we should even be tipping even takeout. I go, oh man, this guy. He's table one in it on me. He's doing this generosity thing. And I said, I got to hang out with him because he's teaching me how to live higher. Because he's just, he just wants, his wife just wants to bless people. I go, yeah, I'm going to hang out with this person more. I need to come up to that level of generosity. And it's not a judgment. He was, he was laughing. He was having fun. But his wife was serious. Wanted to bless people. And sometimes we go through the drive-thru and my kids will say, Dad, or, buy the person behind us. And because uh, we used to do that more. And so they started catching on. And sometimes I get past the first window and then you can't really buy it because it's, it's, it, you already passed it. But it's a lot of fun. And you're always thinking, you know, when you buy the person behind you that they're going to have a, like a minivan of eight children. And it's going to be like 120 bucks of McDonald's or something. But the funny thing is, most of the time they buy a coffee for like a buck fifty. And you're thinking, a buck fifty, that's all you bought? You could have bought anything. You could have had the whole world. But they didn't know it, did they? They thought they were buying according to their measure. But see, it's so different with God, isn't it? We can start believing and dreaming for more. And God doesn't work with measure. He works with eternity, with eternal. So we live according to his riches in Christ Jesus, not according to our measure. And I'm not talking about going into debt or anything silly like that. I'm talking about stewardship, faithfulness. But with God, he asks you to dream bigger. So here's my invitation and my prayer with you today. Please come to the table. Don't live your life in chair two. Don't live your life over here sitting at this table angry with God, frustrated, believing I will never get my breakthrough. When God is pleading with you through Jesus Christ, there's only one way to table one is Jesus Christ. It's for you to humble yourself and accept Jesus as your savior and as your friend and to be transported. Just skip. Can, you, can I give you some advice? Can you just skip table two? If you're new to God, can you just not play at this table? I spent so many years here, it's fine, but this one is the sweet table. This is the one afterwards where dad pays the bill. Isn't it fun to go out with dad and eat? don't worry about it, I got it, and you just smile. Now it's fun too when you can pay dad and honor him back and pay, but really it's not about the money. God just wants to spoil you. He wants to invest in your life. It happens at this table. So if, if you're coming to God today, skip this table and jump right over to the good one. The one with all the salad bar, all the fruit, all the veggies, dessert. It's the best table. And it never runs out. Who will receive that invitation today? Who is tired of living at table three, table two? Who is just disgusted with it and said, you know what? There's got to be more to life than this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the word of the Lord to you today. Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, he said this, that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth 
Confession is made unto salvation. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, it's a supernatural miracle where Jesus puts some wedding clothes on you. He dresses you up. He dresses you up. So here's the question. What clothes are you going to put on? What, what, what table do you want to sit at this year? This Christmas time, are you, are you content down here with the scraps falling off the table? The, the food's horrible over here. It goes rotten so fast, and there's never enough anyways. But over here, wow. You're saying, this is getting better. And if I keep it up, and if I work hard enough, this table will always be there for me if I just do my part. Table three over, or table one. That's where it's a gift and a grace and a mercy. It's when dad pays the bill and you have to show up. Show up in humility. Show up in gratitude. Show up in thanksgiving. Show up with thank you, dad, for doing this. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing me to this table. This morning, I want to start off, I have two prayers. First prayer I want to pray with you is for all those who are tired of table three. And you have never taken that risk and that faith step of saying, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out and I'm going to move all the way to table one. I want to pray with you. I want you to take that step with me. You can be 12 years old in here, you can be 80 years old. It's not about age. The table is ready. It's about humility and trusting that God is good, that he has a plan for your life. He wants to rescue you from that table and seat you at the head table. Amen? So let's close our eyes right now. I want just to to ponder in your own soul. I want you to think, is that me? Have I been living at table three? Am I ready to get up from the slop and the garbage and the fighting and the anger and the hate and get out of that table and by faith grab the hand of Jesus and walk to the head table where I get spoiled every day because I'm a treasured child of God? If that's you, I just want you to pray with me right now and, 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 and use your heart, use your mind, use your mo- give your whole self to God. Because if you give your whole self to God, he'll give his whole self to you. It's a choice. It's, It's an individual choice. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And I pray with my friends who are ready to trust you for the first time. They're ready to get out of the slop, the garbage and the hate and move over to the love, to the forgiveness, to the purpose, to the access, the power, the purpose of God in their life and their family their legacy. So Father, we humble ourselves and say, dear Jesus, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my sin. Cleanse my heart, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. I want to be adopted into your family. I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Jesus. Forgive me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
Make me your own. And may I sit at your table for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. For those of you who have made that amazing, life-changing decision, it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And you're going to need support and love and the Word of God, which is the Bible, to guide you in that path of intimacy. And we want to support you in that. In order to do that, you just have to let one of our leaders know so that we can support you. And secondly, for those of you who have already been saved by faith in Jesus, but you've chosen to go back to table two, I want you to know, all you have to do is simply repent. There's no finger pointing here. There's no judgment over your life because you've been stuck at table two. Not at all. You're already in the family. You just happen to go to the wrong table. There's better for you. So this isn't a judgment time. Repentance means to change your thinking, to change your mind. And you simply say, okay, Father, you're right. I was wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm getting up right now. And by faith, I'm going to go sit at table one with Jesus, my brother, with the Holy Spirit, with my family. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I'm here and I'm happy to accept it as a gift. That's the only way to table one. So, Father, right now, we think of all those stuck in chair two. It seems so good, yet it's exhausting. It's full of comparison and envy and jealousy. But today, we pray that the sons and daughters of God would take their rightful spot. They would get up out of chair two, and by faith, we say faith released over this church and all those watching online, that you're going to literally stand up and move to a different chair. Could everyone just stand up with me right now, just to close? I want you to do a physical exercise with me. If you're ready to get out of chair two and move to chair one, you can do this at home as well. I want you to physically do something. I want you to physically say, I'm tired of chair two and table two. I'm going to move to chair one. And this is how we're going to do it. All I want you to do is simply come out of your chair and walk like three or four feet this direction. If you're over on that wall, don't go through the wall. You guys are strong over there. You might just have to move forward a little bit. And the cameras will be turning off here in a few seconds. But if you're at home, I want you to literally move your feet by faith and say, I'm done with, I'm done with table two. Today's my new day. Today's my day to get into chair one, to table one. I'm staying. I'm going to grab the table and just enjoy it. No one's getting me out of here. I don't need to leave. My dad's covering the bill. So as we close today, in your heart and mind, I want you to physically, if you're ready, just take two or three steps. Surrender your life. Just do a prayer to God. It's, it's business with God. It's not with me. It's not with your neighbor. But do it by faith. So with that, in Jesus' name, we bless you. We love you. We're so glad you're doing life with us. And we ask that God would bless your week. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you.